Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 34 of Six Point Weekend. We were doing bonus content. This is true bonus content. We're back for another episode. I didn't think we were going to be back for one more. We, this is this is the last one before the end of the year. This is the last one. This is the ultimate episode. Mm. After I lied and said that 33 was the ultimate. Yeah. Yeah. So... But, yeah, so we're here to have some fun. I'm Jonathan. Sitting across from me is Ebony. Hello. We have a special guest joining us today on the panel. It's Kyle. Good evening. How are you doing? <laughs> doing great. So proper. So proper. <laughs> Better than Hot Take Mario already. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a special interview guest today, Will Hesmer. Thanks hey. for joining us, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I mean, so here's the deal. Bonus content into this, which is also bonus content. I'm calling this bonus content. This is the only podcast where you're going to find that we're going to talk to three cup winners in a row. Yeah. Derby Cup. Yep. NWSL Cup. Yep. MLS Cup. Yeah. It's dope. Been a while. It's a cup's a cup. Cup is a cup. Right. It's still yours. We celebrate trophies. <laughs> we celebrate trophies. Uh, as always, this episode is brought to you by Tasty Beverage Company. TastyBeverageCo.com. They got a location in downtown Raleigh. They have a location in Asheville as well. Uh, if you're listening in that part of the state, stay warm. Um, we're also a part of the beautiful game network. That's BGN.FM. Friends of the pod. Soccer and sweet tea. Hashtag SNSC fam. And if you like what we do, you can subscribe to us on Patreon, patreon.com slash six point weekend. We have some really good episodes up there. We have 6BW, the food podcast. Yep. We talk to NWSL and international superstar Jess McDonald. Yep. We talk to athlete ally captain Austin Deleuze and with uh, columnist in the local area. Um, Neil Morris. Neil Morris. And now, just go ahead and subscribe. Dollar. Get you some stickers. Get you some bonus content. I actually finally got on the Patreon game. Like, there you go. Last Sunday. Yeah. I've been meaning to do it since the summer. And then. It was the bonus content so worth it? I owe it? some people some beers. <laughs> <laughs> was the bonus content worth it? Uh, I actually did not listen to it yet. Wow. I'm not somebody who likes to lie. So. No, that's fair. But I do have a lot of time. Uh, at work right now because it's slowing down, mm-hmm. so I do have lots of time to listen to said bonus content, of which I'm very excited to do. Awesome. I look forward to hearing reports. Um, but yeah, so if you subscribe to us on Patreon.com, it gives you stickers and bonus content and also affords you the opportunity to allow us to say this thing, that this is Six Point Weekend, brought to you by Hot Dogs, the official sandwich of Six Point Weekend. Mm. I have thoughts about that. <laughs> I'm not going to say them right now. If you've ever listened to us, that's been our question we ask everyone so we'll ask you that later on um all right this is a food podcast so so, you know. so just so just think about your answer i know it's burning you inside but we'll get to that one we'll definitely i'm already conflicted <laughs> oh, oh. don't be there's only one right answer and it's no it's <laughs> debatable it's debatable all right, so Will Hesmer is joining us. Um, you had an MLS career. You played for Columbus Crew, won an MLS Cup with them. Uh, you're from Wilson, North Carolina. You went to Wake Forest. Um, your first team, All-American, drafted 17th overall in the MLS draft by the Wizards. And you joined a team that already had goalkeeping legend in there and Tony Miola. Talk to us about your career. That's going from Wilson all the way to playing for an MLS Cup. Yeah, pretty crazy. Um, growing up as a kid in Wilson, 
you had, had no aspirations whatsoever of being a pro soccer player. Zero. I mean, the league, even when I was in college, was barely holding on. So even as a fresh, freshman at Wake, it was still not really, you know, in, in the trajectory, in my, in my future plans. However, after my freshman year, I got approached by the LA Galaxy and was offered a contract. Um, you know, I think 20 grand a year, something around that. Uh, to me, it was 20 million. <laughs> uh, just the idea of being able to go play with the Galaxy. So I went and trained with them for 10 days, went down to Mexico with them where they had a CONCACAF game, um, came back, and my parents said, absolutely not. You're getting a <laughs> <laughs> degree. Um, so I put a plan in place, uh, graduated early, and was drafted to Kansas City, um, shipped off to the middle of nowhere. I'd never left North Carolina. Um, and here I was, you know, working two hours a day in the middle of nowhere, uh, no friends, no family. Um, it was awesome. You know, for the first time in my life, I was really all in as a soccer player. Mm -hmm. I mean, even at Wake, it's, you know, studying classes 10 hours a day. And then luckily you got a little social life after your soccer. So um, that's where I really developed the most, learning from guys like Tony Miola, uh, Boa Shoney. And then we had other legends. I mean, you had Precky, Josh Wolf, Chris mm -hmm. Klein. Carries a Vagnon, Diego Gutierrez, you know, the list goes, Jack Jewsberry, Davey Arno, uh, the list goes on and on and on. Um, and every team was like that because there was only 10 teams in the league. Yeah. Um, so you develop really tight bonds, uh, not only with your teammates and these types of guys, but uh, guys across the league. And um, I was fortunate enough while I was playing um, to be in a period where the league was growing, expanding. Um, more of a push towards youth, so I finally got a chance to play with Columbus and had a great seven years there. Uh, speaking of Columbus, we talked that we talked about you winning a cup. Uh, you won the 2008 MLS Cup with them versus New York Red Bulls, uh, 3-1 at a neutral site, which was the StubHub Center. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that match and what was going through your head? Um, that was also the first year that uh, MLS redesigned the MLS Cup. Um, and made it an actual cup. Yeah. It's always great when you can drink out of it. Like, yes. So after you won, did you get the drink out of it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of drinking after that. It was a noon game in L.A. Yeah. So, you know, we're done. The game's over by 2. We're still on the field at 3 from all the celebrations. So we're exhausted. And it's a hot I was going to say, it's California at, at noon. <laughs> and so... What was going through your mind, though? Like, I'd say before the game, uh, I was not nervous at all. Mm -hmm. It was just another game. Um, when I look back on it now, and shoot, even when I'm watching these games as a fan, I'm nervous. And I'm wondering, gosh, how was I not nervous? How did none of this impact me? It just didn't. Um, and I didn't really understand the gravity of it all. Uh, until our bus ride back, um, you're like, wow, you, we won this. We actually did this. This is, this is going to stay with me forever. Um, so that was really cool, but no nervousness at all going into it. Just another game, and it was my birthday that day. Oh, wow. So what a gift. <laughs> all, all of my family had flown in, um, so they were there. Um, I don't think I'd ever in the history of my career had all of my family at a game, friends, friends. Uh, so for me, that was the cool part. That was the exciting part. It's not a lot of, you know, there wasn't a lot of televised games at that point. 
Uh, so it was at a neutral site, but then the MLS moved to higher seed hosts the final. Um, do you think that was a good idea? And do you what what do you think were some of the pros and cons of doing that? I think it's a great idea. Uh, you see a better atmosphere with the higher seed hosting, mm-hmm. with an actual team hosting. You get a real soccer atmosphere, not only for the players, for the fans, but for the TV producing, which I think is a big, big part of the rationale of doing that is the ratings just were not very good. Yeah. You're looking at a neutral site. You have f- tickets bought by fan bases all across. So, I mean, half the area is Houston Dynamo fans. Another, you know, area is Chicago Fire. And if they're thinking that they're going, right? Because th- those years they had really good teams. So, and now they're stuck with those tickets, can't resell them. And it just didn't, you know, they're not there to cheer for anybody. They had just promised their kid that if McBride or Blanco make it to the final, we're going. <laughs> um, so this was a much better uh, way of doing things. And I think you'll see that uh, this weekend. Oh, yeah. I'm ready for this weekend. We'll talk about that one a little bit later, though. Um, what's something about the game back then that people didn't know that has kind of evolved to what it is now? <laughs> Just about the game, the, the and, game tactically? Like MLS. Like. Um, I would say that there's a, there is a, and there's truth to this, that people think that the game is so much better, the talent is so much better than it was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that it's better, no doubt, the tactics uh, especially. But the talent, um, I disagree. I think the talent was was really good. Um, and we didn't have as many teams, so you didn't have, I guess, the dearth of of some rosters. I mean, our back to that Kansas City example. I mean, we could have fielded two teams that maybe could have won a championship. Uh, you don't. You're starting to see more of that. Um, I think it's developing that way with some of the things that they're put in place. But I would say the big difference that people think now versus 10 years ago um, is the talent. I just think they're doing a better job producing it and a better job selling the game. Um, so. His last name is pronounced like it is. So. Yeah, Precourt, yeah. Um, so tell us your thoughts about uh, Anthony Precourt attempting to move the club, uh, the Save the Crew movement, and the subsequent expansion team that might follow in a, uh, Columbus. Yeah, I think Precourt um, mishandled it from the get-go. Yeah. That's no secret. Um, my opinion is he should have handled it just like Lamar Hunt, Clark Hunt, Dan Hunt, handled the sell of the Kansas City Wizards, where I was there. Um, they went to the city a year prior, and they said, it's not working here. The metrics are not working here. Um, we do not have the attendance. We do not have the fan base. We do not have the corporate. And ultimately, they just did not have the relativity in the city that was required to maintain a pro, a pro soccer team. So Lamar and the Hunt Ownership Group went to the city and told them that. And basically said, get behind us so we can make this work. We want to make this work in this city. And if we can't, we're going to sell the team. And we're going to try our best to sell the team to a local ownership group. However, there is a possibility that there is another ownership group that wants to buy this team and move it to Vegas or Rochester. Those were the two hot cities at the time, maybe even St. Louis. 
uh, where I think Anthony Precourt really messed up is he tried to do this all behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, and eventually, as we know, those things get out. And it got out in a bad way, and it got violent quick. Um, I personally think it was a, a disaster from that regard, but also that Columbus works. It just haven't had the right people pulling the right levers to make it work. I guess the second part of that, um, kind of to build on that one, um, so it's been talked about that um, – MLS would let Precourt move the team to Austin and then give Columbus an expansion, but they wouldn't get to keep the accolades that they've earned because they'd be a new team. It all all those accolades would go to Austin with that team, and then so. I think that's being worked out right now. I think all those details are being fine-tuned, and it's my opinion there's a good solution for everyone. Um, Precourt is stuck. He can't play in Columbus, it doesn't seem like, next year. There's no facilities ready for him to play in Austin next year. So there needs to be a new ownership group taking over the team to operate it for 2019. And what they are buying is the rights to operate the team. It's a single entity system, so the rights to operate the Columbus crew. Um, And then that gives Precourt plenty of time to start with a brand new franchise, build his team, get it right. Uh, and Columbus keep what is rightfully theirs. Uh, so uh, if Save the Crew somehow falls through, do you see a lower-level soccer team uh, thriving in Columbus, and do you think Save the Crew movement can support um, a lower-level team? Yeah, I, I mean, it's my hope that that doesn't happen. Um, I feel confident that the Haslam and Edwards family will make this work and make a deal happen. Um, but my opinion is that there would be such a, such dejection and such sorrow that it would be hard for somebody to step in and say, okay, we're going to put a USL team in here in its place. I just think that would be, that would be a tough pill to swallow. It would work. Yeah. As a founding member of MLS, it would really hurt to see soccer leave Columbus. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's obvious from the U.S. soccer. I mean, the fan bases across the country stepping in, I mean, across the world, stepping in to support the Save the Crew movement. Um, Again, moving that team, even if it's operating at a small loss, has a greater hit to the sport of U.S. soccer, MLS, some, you name it, um, that it is worth saving. Uh, so you were elected to the MLS Player Association Executive Board in 2010. Uh, you served there for uh, three years. Uh, what did that mean to you, and what advice to, can you give to those players that are now part of the USL Player Association that was just uh, voluntarily recognized by the USL? Yeah, I, when I look back on my career, I don't remember a lot of the games, a lot of the shots, you know, a lot of the results. Um, but I can vividly remember the MLS Players Association meetings, discussions. Uh, it, um, it was awesome. I loved it. Um, so when I walked away from the game and went more into a business world, that was a big part of it, was those experiences. I knew that um, that energized me, mm-hmm. um, that that had I, had, I had a much longer time horizon using my brain than my body. And the ability to do that while also advancing the game, uh, helping future players, um, 
And that's what it's about. My advice to guys uh, now and has been when you're in that position, it's not about you. You're in that position negotiating for the guys 10 years after you. Mm-hmm. You're in that position trying to leave the league in a better place than it was before. And that's not going in there to be greedy about your contract, about your situation, about you know what it is you think is, is best for your generation. It's what is best, ironically, for ownership, where they can keep pushing the right levers and growing the game, uh, as well as what is best for the players. So I think that... That was a concept that was really hard because we genuinely were trying to work with the owners when the Players Association was first created. Um, and the owners, I think, and MLS League Brass just thought we were there to kill the league, to blow it up. And it couldn't have been uh, more opposite. Once I think we got on that same page and where they are now, and, and now it is really a tandem build of the league of all right, what are the right strategies? How can we really grow the league? How can we make the product on the field better, which ultimately will leave, lead to better TV ratings, more TV revenue, and more corporate sponsorship revenue? Yes. Um, talk to us about the one-day contract you signed with the Railhawks in 2014, the U.S. Open Cup match versus the LA Galaxy. How'd that come about? Um, were you nervous having to go into that? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was nervous. I wasn't nervous for the game. I was just nervous <laughs> of getting injured. Um, I was nervous I would have to play. Um, so I was sitting in my office, normal work day. I got a text from Colin. Hey, how are you? I said, great. Uh, do you think you could still play? I'm like, oh, my goodness, where's this going? Um, so we chatted, and uh, I told him I was wildly out of shape haven't haven't played in you know years uh still had gloves and cleats however let me go out to training and just see what my body can do and handle uh so i went out and had a training and i was terrible Um, (laughs) you know i wasn't so bad where he asked me to leave but um i think my training session was so bad that uh scott goodwin at the time who played that game um was lights out in fear of, of me having to go in and let the team down. Um, Do you think secretly it was to have the MLS kid come in and, and show them, like, oh, okay, you can play with them, right? Well, ironically, you know, they're playing the Galaxy in the Open Cup. Yeah. And ironically, I had a really sour ending to my career with the Galaxy. So I was effectively traded, picked up through the reentry draft to the Galaxy uh, at the end of 2012, where I was out the whole year, and then they signed me to a contract. And this was about this time, gosh, six years ago. And my wife and I were really debating, all right, is it time to be done playing? I had this hip injury. I have this great opportunity to go start a new life career here in North Carolina. Um, and we were getting married at the end of December. Um, and right before we got married and went on our honeymoon, uh, Bruce Arena calls and he says, hey, um, we've signed Carlo Cudicini and probably are going to trade you, keep you posted. Wow. And I had already, I already did talk to every team in the league. I already knew, I mean, as a goalkeeper, you know who needs position and who doesn't. So the two teams who needed me and were after me were Vancouver and Philadelphia. And Martin Rennie is a coach at 
Vancouver at the time. Yeah. And then John Hackworth was a coach in Philadelphia, Wake Forest guy. Rob Bartusian's their goalkeeper coach. A Wake, he was a senior when I was a freshman at Wake. Um, so really close with those guys. And I had already told them if they had traded for me, as much as I love them, I would retire. If I was going to go play somewhere, I wanted to go play for a club who was competing to win championships. I want to play one or two more years and be done. So Bruce and I had agreed on that. And then they pulled the rug on me, signed Cudicini, and I just said, you know what, I'm that doesn't work. I'm going to retire. Uh, we had a sour you know, start to preseason. And anyway, to go in and then beat them with the Railhawks at the time uh, was awesome. It's fun being a Galaxy's Kryptonite. Yep. <laughs> that Three years really in a fun. row? Yeah. So much fun. And they brought a full team that year, too. Yeah. So there was a reserve bunch. It yeah. was Roy Keane, Landon. He said that he was tired of losing to us, so he bought oh, the yeah. whole squad. Janino was, was there. It was everyone Zardes was there. there. Zardes was there. God, it was it was a full squad, and we still beat them. My favorite part of that match, because you remember there was um the one on the reserve field. Yeah, I think wasn't favorite. that the yeah, reserve so we, field like, one? We yeah. were we were like behind like caution tape yeah. behind the goal. My favorite part is that Robbie Keane, literally like 15 yards ahead of me, whiffed on a kick in the box. That was my favorite part of the entire match, besides winning. But seeing international superstar Robbie Keane do something that I would do <laughs> was great. Um, but yeah, so you talked about playing for um, the Railhawks. They were the Railhawks then. It's North Carolina FC now. Um, what are your thoughts on the rebrand? I love it. Uh, I think the rebrand was needed. Um, I think it's a great uh, capture of the state. Um, I think it tells a good story, and um, I mean, ultimately, I'm a big believer in Steve Mallett, um, his passion, his desire to to grab this thing by the horns and turn it into what I hope it will become. Um, it's pretty special. This club is 12 years old now. I think yeah. going to Lucky 13 next year. Hopefully, it's a a postseason cup year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So you've you've seen this club grow. Like, what are your thoughts on the club and how it's evolved over the years? Yeah, I think it's a big moment for them right now. Um, they've gone through plenty of ups and downs. Some of that's been on their own end. Some of it's been leagues related. Um, but right now they've got a chance to really put some soccer brains in the organization. Uh, I think that's a big piece of what they've been missing is just a true soccer culture of guys for the next generation um, to wrap their hands just not around uh, the pro teams but around the entire youth system as well um, from the ground up um, I think it's a it's a it's a pivotal moment from the names I've heard that they're looking to hire I think it's going to be a special hire um, fingers crossed uh you mentioned the youth club. We have the largest youth to pro like system. How do you see that helping us move forward? Yeah, I, I hear Steve brag about that a lot, um, and I completely disagree. Um, bigger in the youth soccer world is not better. Yeah. And I think NCFC is a perfect example of that. Um, in some ways, its size is its biggest problem. If you go out there on any given night day, uh, you see our academy teams training on not even a quarter of a field. Uh, it's impossible to teach the game 
tactically the way it needs to be taught to these kids when you just don't have the space to train because you have so many teams through so many different leagues, etc. Um, you know, that gets into a whole revenue argument. It's, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't think anybody really does, but um, I my personal opinion is they need to stop focusing on size and focus on the quality and value of their experience. Nice. Um, that was a little bit of a change. I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, what's it like transitioning from professional soccer to going back to school at Yale? No, I went to uh, – I actually did it all while I was still playing my last two years. Wow, okay. So when I didn't make the 2010 World Cup team, which I had a very outside shot of making, mm-hmm. uh, there was – in 2008 and nine, there were a handful of us competing for the third goalkeeper spot behind Guzan and Tim Howard. Okay. Um, Ultimately, in 09, leading into it, I had an injury. I wasn't playing very well. Um, I don't know where I finished on the depth chart. But I knew at the end of the 09 season, okay, I'm an average MLS goalkeeper. I probably will never even get paid as an average MLS goalkeeper. Um, you can find, If I'm a general manager, I can find a good goalkeeper anywhere. So my personal opinion at the time was I just don't have a lot of earning power left. Yes, I love this, um, but if I'm a smart GM, I'm not paying a me a lot of money. I can go find a young goalkeeper. So immediately I had two years left on my contract. I thought, what's my exit strategy? What do I want to go do? Um, I got lucky. I got introduced to a great wealth management firm. And I would go to practice in a suit and tie with all the guys making fun of me as they rolled in with their in their pajamas. Um, I'd leave right after our team meetings and lunch, and I'd put the suit on, and I'd go work for five or six hours in the afternoon. What I immediately learned is even as, you know, as, as fresh as I tried to keep my degrees and on top of just learning and reading, I was clueless in that world. I needed to supplement that with some education. So I actually did University of Georgia business school classes at night. So I'd go go train, uh, do a little rehab, a little lifting, eat some food, go work, and then do some uh, studying at night. Um, And that was a game changer for me. I did that for two years. Uh, And so at the end of 2012, um, when I was eventually punted from the league, um, I had a great transition here to Raleigh. Knew exactly what I wanted to do, knew exactly what I wanted to build, had the education, had the foundation. So I got to hit the ground running, and it was still hard. <laughs> it was still brutal, um, that transition. So, you know, I harp to guys all the time, be prepared, be prepared. I was probably overly prepared, probably hurt my career to some degree. Um, I wouldn't do it any other way. I suppose this next question is kind of laterally related to that. So what advice would you give to soccer players who are looking ahead to the next phase of their life. Yeah, I mean, soccer, if, if you're fortunate, will be 15 years. Mm-hmm. You know, professionally, you've got another 30 to go do something. Um, you know, a lot of the guys I hope will stay in the game of soccer doing something. Uh, U.S. soccer, MLS, U clubs, high schools, etc. They need that. They need that talent to keep pushing us further and further. Um, but maybe not. So if you're 
I mean, if you're passionate, a lot of these guys love video games. Video gaming is a huge industry. Go figure out how to go make money off of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, go figure out how to build a career. Um, don't start with the idea of money. Start with the idea of what do I love doing, and then and then take it from there. They have the free all the free time, and my biggest push to those guys is once you are an ex pro, nobody wants to open their door to you. Mm-hmm. You are labeled as the ex job trying to figure it out. As long as you're wearing the jersey, people take your calls. They open your door, you know, right right or wrong. You're going to get in there and you're at least going to get to figure it out for yourself. Do I like this guy? Was this genuine or did this guy just want an autograph for his nephew? So, you know, the door's going to get open. So while you're playing, think about it and take advantage of your network. Take advantage of that. Build good relationships. Don't just show up at appearances, sign autographs, go through the motions and leave. Really get to know the guys. Really get to know the people that are there supporting you. And to the video game comment, um, I watch a lot of speedruns at work. People play <laughs> video games, like a lot of them. Uh, right now, I'm on a Ocarina of Time kick. Where I'm watching this guy 100% it in like under five hours. It's amazing. Oh my god, um, that's oh. ridiculous. I, I, you know, some of these Twitch streamers though, like they're bringing in. It's crazy. Stupid amounts of money. I mean, yes. I had a teammate, Eric Bruner, mm-hmm. Eric in Columbus, and he left. He retired to go do that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, you know, there, there's an example for these guys. It's not just something I've made. Here's an example of it. Yeah. I mean, fortunately for me, I'm, if you, you guys have seen that Halo commercial where the guy's just bobbing up and down trying to, I mean, that was me. I was so <laughs> bad at video games that thankfully I didn't get into it. <laughs> Maybe that could have been the channel. Yeah. Like, watch me be terrible. <laughs> but I was good at buying stocks in 08 and 09 where if any idiot had bought a stock when they were that depressed, you'd look right. like a, you'd look like a kid. <laughs> so I thought I was good at it. Right. <laughs> um. So we've been talking about, you know, soccer locally in Columbus, soccer locally here in North Carolina. You've been a big supporter of the uh, 919 MLS movement. Um, what was it? That was a year and a half I think ago so. that we, we started here, marched down uh, Hargett Street, went over to City Market. That day, I still remember that day. That day was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, I remember I, I got off from work, I came here, fireball I was super shot. Late. Right, fireball shot. <laughs> then you and I led everybody to City Market. Um, I was so tired the next day. Oh yeah, I, I was, was so tired. I was done. I came back here and kept drinking. <laughs> and yes, we did. Yes, we did. We did. We were like, that was so great. Oh my god, I can't wait because where they're talking about putting the stadium downtown is also a march away. Yep. So we were like, oh, think about if we get to do this every week, drink. And <laughs> Steve, Steve supplied us with an open bar. Yeah, at wow. the event. So it was, it was yeah. great. I yeah. loved it. It was awesome. Um, but that, was, that wasn't exactly the genesis of it, but that was the, the big launching point of the 919 MLS. And what can you tell the, our listeners about MLS and expansion and um, what that can do for a city? I... I am of the belief that it would revolutionize this city. It would galvanize this city in a way I don't think the majority, even the diehards, really appreciate of what it would do. Uh, North, Growing up here, North Carolina is very divided in its sports. Yeah. Um, you know, I think... I think Raleigh got a taste of that when the Hurricanes had their runs in the Stanley Cup. Um, but I think that would be something that you'd see every weekend here around both the pro teams. Um, 
I've seen it firsthand in Kansas City. I've seen it in Portland, Seattle, Toronto, now Atlanta. Uh, and for those that say soccer doesn't work in the South, there you go. Uh, we're missing a few pieces still, I think, to complete the puzzle for a good MLS expansion bid. Um, but again, like Columbus, MLS works here. I mean, you know, we're all doing this podcast. I think we all wholly agree. <laughs> I mean, it's just like when you talked about the um, the stadium, like I uh, I live what northwest of here. So every time I come in Wade Avenue, driving south on Capitol Boulevard, and every time I look to my left at the Archdale building, I'm like. That could be a stadium. <laughs> Let it be a stadium. Let it be a stadium. Please. Um, I guess the tangent off that, what can we do as fans to help push our uh, cause for an expansion team? Hey, I'm right there with you guys. In fact, <laughs> I, I talked to Steve Malik on Friday, and I said the same thing. You know, I'm, I'm nowhere in official capacity whatsoever with the club. Um, you know, I am a cheerleader. Yeah. I am a fan. And every time that's when I, you know, meet Kurt for beers or talk with Steve about whatever we're talking about, it's the same thing. Hey, what can we do? How can we help? And I think the biggest thing you can do is, is, is tell the story. Here's, here's what this has done in other cities. I think trying to take, uh, people to a game is a good idea so they can see the quality. Uh, of of even a USL club, um, but it doesn't do it justice. I mean, truthfully, what you should do is take a friend, take a buddy who's a non you know quote unquote non-believer in it, take them to Atlanta, take them to Portland, let them let them start at the pubs at noon and walk down <laughs> to a game. Um, that march is something beautiful. I, I mean, it is it's a game changer. Yeah. Thoughts about former Crew SC head coach uh, Greg Berhalter getting the U.S. soccer gig? I think it's a great hire. I just am curious why it took so long. That's that has been my gripe. Like There's he's a good hire, but you made you took 14 months to go to Columbus down the street from where your headquarters are to make that pick. Even if you had said, like <clears throat> after the World Cup. Hey, we're hiring Greg, but he's not coming in until his Columbus crew team is done. I would have still been okay with that because at least then we could have known those are the tactics we're looking for. We it was kind of like the worst kept secret, so we already knew. But to to see the young to see our young guys kind of playing in that system that he knows he wants already, even under an interim coach, would have been better than throwing 11 guys onto a field and saying just have fun. You know, I would have rather some type of structure. Why did it take so long? I can't. Yeah, great question. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, I, I would go back further than that. For the past six years, probably ever since Bob Bradley was fired, U.S. Uh, soccer in general has been a nightmare. Um, the whole Klinsman era, I think, was really bad. I think it set a really bad culture throughout the club. Of course, there were some successes, small, in there. Um, there was some talent development, um, but ultimately there is a lot of work to do, not only internally with the culture, um, but also re, you know, regaining the trust of the fan base, re, you know, re-energizing the U.S. soccer fan base. Um, I personally think Greg will be able to do that. He's a no-nonsense guy. 
This guy is as smart as you make him. I mean, his background is almost ideal, I believe, for a U.S. soccer coach. Um, grew up in the country, knows the American you know, way, philosophy, ideologies, etc., can relate to the guys. Then he's in Holland for six years. Holland's probably one of the best places to, to develop soccer, and they probably work things inversely than how the American soccer game has been, which is, okay, physical, then maybe technical, then maybe tactical. Whereas in Holland, it's tactical, technical, then we care about your physical. Um, and his experiences in Germany, his relationship with Ernie Stewart, uh, his ability to develop young talent. I think the concern's going to be his system is sometimes so complicated and take so much work and fine-tuning, U.S. soccer job isn't work like that. You've got three days maybe before a huge qualifier to get a new roster all on the same page. Uh, how can you implement that system in three days with a group of fresh faces? It's going to be a very tough task. I mean, you could have done that this year leading up to those qualifiers, you know what I'm saying? Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> back, to, back to the point of if, if this guy was our hire, this guy was our target. Um, You've known this for like months, right? I, yeah, I, and, that, and, you know, it, was Greg ready to leave? I mean, that's another thing that yeah. you don't know. Did he want to see it out with Columbus this year? Did he believe in this team's ability to win a cup? Were they ready to hire? You know, were they that sold on him as the guy? I, I don't know. They, didn't, they also didn't do him any favors by um, – eliminating his brother from the hiring process. Um, so I, I for one, wouldn't for a second say there was any nepotism or favorites there. I just don't believe it at all. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's easy for that perception to come out. Yeah. So the women's program, they've got the three championships, but for the men right now, it's probably the lowest point that it's been in like 25 years. I mean, technically you can look at it and say they've missed two World Cups in a row, the U23 and then um, the, 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 the senior squad. But, I mean, looking at the club right now, back to front, there's a lot of young talent. Um, where do you see this program going right now? A lot of young talent. I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get. A lot of holes that need to be filled. And, again, back to the culture. Um, I think Michael Parker's had a comment leading into the MLS Cup this weekend that guys are guys look at it as a chore now when they're called in. That should never be the case. Yeah, that you would get that hurt. email. I mean, that is the happiest moment I have ever had when I was called into my first full team camp. I got an email. I remember I was driving home from the Angus barn, December, <laughs> December 11th, my sister's birthday. I got an email on the way home. Hey, you're invited into the January national team camp. I mean, the happiest moment of my, I had worked my whole life. I'd never played for a youth national team. That needs to be the reaction now when you get called into camp versus, oh shit, I got to go board another flight and go to another camp and play another game. I don't want to do that. And the reality of it is now we have guys playing in big leagues, yeah. earning big checks. Yeah. So it's not, it's not really who pays their bills. It's not their priority, and that has to change. Yeah, that one kind of hurt a little bit, especially as like a as a soccer supporter, a U.S. soccer supporter, to see that players find it as a chore now. It's kind of like, well, what am I doing this for? Like paying all this money to go travel, paying eighty dollars a ticket to go to Cleveland. Yeah, Cle like 
Minnesota. I'm paying eighty dollars to go to Minnesota. Well, we had this discussion. Minnesota's good, okay? It's <laughs> like I spent like what eighty bucks to go to Columbus for USA Mexico. Mm-hmm. It's a great experience, uh, but to pay eighty dollars now to go anywhere, like for a team that doesn't look like it cares, that does hurt. That hurts, you know. Mm-hmm. And and to that, I mean. Some of it's just the culture of these kids now. I mean, they play year-round. And so, in a lot of ways, it benefits them that they just don't care who they're playing for. They put on their jersey, they show up, they ball. How can this new culture, this new uh, coaching staff change that? No, when you come in here, it's about the crest. And Greg will understand that. And I think that's why it was important that they did hire an American coach, um, even though there was probably a lot of push to go foreign. Um, I guess last question before we hit to a little break, and then we hit you with some rapid fires. Um, what's one thing that you think MLS is doing right, and what's one thing that they could be doing better? I think they're focusing more on young, up-and-coming talent. Uh, I think that the MLS has, whether this was intentional or not, has made the decision that they're going to be a development league and a selling league. And I think that is a very good spot to start. Now if we can make MLS the place to go from South America as a young South American stud before you make the jump to a Chelsea, Bayern, you name it, um, that is a great, great way to build MLS before it really can become a top five league in the world. And you talk about uh, players moving on, Zach Steffen, uh, going from Columbus to City. That's, yeah. Is that Inter? Is that Dundee? Well, as much has been bandied about, yeah. I mean, at, at least it's out there. And like Miazga going to Chelsea, Chelsea and, and we've got Vitesse now. I don't uh Tyler Adams yep. just signed for Lipstick. McKinney, Sergeant. Uh, McKinney is at Schlock. Schalke. 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 Yep. I don't. I don't really follow Bundesliga like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um. Also, obviously, Pulisic. Yep. Um. Sergeant. He said Sergeant at, at, at um, uh, Verder. Yeah. A lot of young. A lot of young USA talent. A lot of young USA talent. But here's the thing. I don't care how big your club is, how big your contract is. If you're not playing games yeah. in a highly competitive environment against grown men that you'd face in a qualifier or a World Cup, you're not developing enough to help U.S. soccer. Yeah. Um, you know, you look back at the 2002 U.S. World Cup team. They, you had a handful of guys who played in Europe, just a handful. The rest you had just fighters, just men who knew how to fight and get the job done. Yeah. Uh, now we're going to have to rely on kids through this next cycle um, and that we hope are getting first-team minutes. And that, that's, I think, a challenge. MLS Cup coming up this weekend, Atlanta and Portland. We'll probably talk a little bit about that, but for now we'll take a short break. You're listening to episode 34 of Six Point Weekend. We'll be back in a moment. Zillicoa Beer uh, Beer Company in Asheville is venturing down the mountain to collaborate with downtown Raleigh's own Brewery Bavana, and the best way to do that is to celebrate at Tasty Beverage Company. Zillicoa will be tapping four beers on draft, including a coffee blonde lager. 
That's right here in Tasty Beverage Company in downtown Raleigh this Friday, December 7th. You don't want to miss it. Stop by. Tell them Six Point Weekend sent you. Maybe get a free koozie. That's right here, tastybeverageco.com. Welcome back to episode 34 of Six Point Weekend. We lied at the last episode. This is the ultimate episode. So, no, you lied. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. That is on me. Um, I'm Jonathan. That's Ebony. Hi. Kyle's here. Hi. And we have Will Hesmer joining us as well. So, guys. He's got a baller hat on. 1994 ACC basketball tournament? Original. Ooh. That is... I, I was, see, that's, that's I was pretty dope. one in 94. I was not. <laughs> it's so funny, like just on a on a tangent here, not not to the Desma too far. Um, wow. But in the year in the year of '94, like my cousins had these old Coke bottles, which I have now on display in my house from the 1994 Final Four, which was in Charlotte. So I got a couple of those on display. It's pretty cool. Something good has to come out of Charlotte eventually. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually. <laughs> um, this is episode 34 of Six Point Weekend. It's always brought to you by Tasty Beverage Company. We're joined by Will Hesmer. Uh, we had our regular interview portion to start. Now we get into our rapid fire. Um, this is our favorite part of the interview. Um, so we're talking to a guy that if you're listening to this, he's probably scored more goals than you. <laughs> so better feeling, scoring a goal or saving a penalty? Scoring a goal. Ooh. Mountains or beach? Beach. Apple or Google? Apple. Oh. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, mornings or night? Uh, mornings. Oh, you are given $1 million right now. First thing you buy? Uh, stock. Smart. See, See that's the thing. Like, <laughs> this is the last time that we're doing it for this season. The first time that we asked it, Darian Jenkins bought an island. Yeah. So, <laughs> just bought a car. That's a lot cooler than mine. <laughs> Actually, Austin put like fifty thousand in savings, or yep. some, or half of it in savings, yep. and then bought stock and another house. Yep. It's like all responsible people. I was buying <laughs> jet skis first. Demon Deacon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, who is the worst dancer in any locker room you've been in? Danny O'Rourke. Wow, that was quick. <laughs> <laughs> who had the worst taste in music? Danny O'Rourke. <laughs> <laughs> Those tend to match. I get it. Um, the most influential manager, coach, or person that's been in your life? Wow, that's a tough one. I can't answer that with one. Uh, Bobby Muse, Jay Vitovich, Ziggy Schmid, Bob Gansler. Oh, good. Nice. How about the most underrated player you've either played with or against? Gareth Bale. Nice. Um, best player that you've shared the pitch with? Thierry Henry. Highest point in your career? Winning an MLS Cup and being called into a national team camp. Nice. Lowest point? Being told I was fired. <laughs> Um, fun story from the training ground away days or locker room? Hmm. Chad Marshall's naked cartwheels after we won MLS Cup with all the press in there. That has to be... <laughs> that, that has to be number one. True story. Perhaps the greatest uh, MLS player of all time. He's... Chad most, is amazing. It's going to go down as uh, 
He's going to go down more for his uh, naked cartwheels than his, <laughs> than his abilities. Chad Marshall. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm a Sounders fan. I love Chad Marshall. He is just a beast on the field. Yes. So, to kind of a tangent, how was it playing with him? Probably one of the most underrated. I mean, he's won three Defender of the Year awards. He's probably still the most underrated player in the history of American soccer. Uh, it's, I mean, how that guy doesn't have 200 caps is beyond me. True. Uh, do you have any? Did you have any pre-match rituals or superstitions for games? Uh, I always prayed during the national anthem. Nice. Uh, what's one thing about the structure of U.S. soccer that you would change tomorrow? Uh, and what's one thing that absolutely works? I would find some way to lower the cost of participating in youth soccer and get more inner city, um, more kids, uh, higher level training. Have you seen the um, the field that they put in Atlanta? That was like under the subway. I've heard about it. Yeah. I heard it's pretty. Awesome. I mean, there's there's multiple of that on um, my different. Yeah, but they're all stops. locked. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a good point. I think Amir Lowry, a guy who played. Um, I think he played for the Rail Hawks for a yeah. season mm-hmm. or two. Uh, he's doing some really special things with a, with, um, out of D.C. Of a, I think it's called an Open Goal Project. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be revolutionary if he can get that to take off. They just opened a new futsal uh, court in Durham. Yep. That's actually not too far from uh, from where I work. So I need to go there sometime. That's really cool. I want to see one in Raleigh, like whether it's a mini pitch or a futsal court or something. That's really cool. At City of Raleigh, bring back the turf patch off of Fayetteville Street. Yeah. At Raleigh, please do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing most people don't know about you is blank. Hmm. Soccer was probably my least favorite sport <laughs> all the way until I went to Wake Forest to play soccer. What was your favorite? Uh, basketball. Was, uh, of course. See the basketball or football. Hoop State. I mean, I was even as a sophomore in high school, I thought I'd be a UNC Tar Heel basketball player. Guard? Uh, yeah. Oh, I had more of a small forward. But uh, what nickname did you have growing up? A good one. Uh, I was called Barbecue Chin. When I was five, I fell off my bike, scraped it all across the ass, uh, scraped my face all across the asphalt. And they had to put this uh, medicine on it, that betadine solution that looked like barbecue sauce. (laughs) So all the older kids in the neighborhood called me Barbecue Chin. And that got shortened to barbecue, which is now barb-q. So that's a nickname most people don't know. Not here, though. That's kind of a compliment. Yeah. (laughs) It's perfect. I once, when I was in, like, first grade, I was on a scooter at school fell off of it, and also tore up the underside of my chin. Good times. <laughs> I imagine with these birds moving in, there's going to be more of that. <laughs> Soon. I'm going to hit one of those birds. If One cut in front of me. Like They're asking for it at this point. We're about to play chicken at one at, like, <laughs> eventually. I'm not a fan of them. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so, oh, last one. Uh, we got, well, not last one. Uh, favorite movie, TV show in your Netflix queue that you're binging on right now? Binging. I think we've, we've run through our binging. Um, see favorite movie. Is that what you asked? Yeah. Uh, big Lebowski. Okay. Very respectable choice. Solid. (laughs) 
All right. Uh, so we made it through rapid fire. Now we uh, we always like to have our listeners come in with questions. So now it's time for Ask 6BW, which is brought to you by London Bridge Pub, where we are recording this fabulous podcast. Shout out to London Bridge Pub for being really awesome hosts all year long. Um, really enjoy being here. Um, place right here, Hargett Street, 110 Hargett Street. Um, it's Tuesday, so we're just one day away from Whiskey Wednesday. Yeah. One day away. All right. Um, One day more. I'm sorry. <laughs> another day, another destiny. Um, so first question comes from Arden. Um, they are a Columbus supporter. Uh, what does the Columbus-Toronto rivalry mean to you? It didn't mean a lot um, to the players other than trying to get another three points from an Eastern Conference rival. Um, I think it developed more hatred over time as you saw your fan bases going at it um heard more stories uh from your fans um you know and then you score the goal to tie it up uh, you see what that meant to those guys you see what it meant to continue what wasn't a rivalry was just really our dominance um that's when i think we started to feel it uh after that game it's a humble brag in there. It's, yeah, it's like not it. a rivalry because we always won. That's <laughs> that's good. Um, but being from the area, what is the most exciting thing about soccer in the area um, right now, um, other than from when you were growing up? It's got to be the push for an MLS team. Um, that's uh, That for me, again, would be revolutionary for the city. And the last question from Arden, um, with USL's restructuring, is MLS still the goal? Um, can we still compete with MLS, and where should NCFC aim to be? I think so. Uh, you know, it's going to require the right pieces. It's going to require, I think, a good hire right now for the coaching staff to get the soccer culture right. It's probably going to require a, another investor for Steve to give us a little bit of a deeper pocket. Hopefully that comes locally, but if not, I don't think it's a problem at all based on the people we already have involved uh, in the bidding process. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, after that, it's just stadium and city red tape. <laughs> um, Patrick on Twitter asked, um, how afraid was MLS of Discovery and uh, might have to open its books to Mike DeWine, the governor of Ohio, uh, the players union and the public? I don't think that was a big fear. Um, the The league has been willing to share their books with the Players Association to some degree for a while now. Um, I don't think that was as big of a fear as uh, the Save the Crew movement made it to be and or their lawsuit. Uh, was MLS claims of being a single entity at risk, do you think? Um, I think it's always at risk to some degree. This is their baby. This is Mark Abbott's baby, and it is genius. Um, it is a great way to put together a pro league. However, I think now you're starting to see owners who disagree with it. The, the collapse of the single entity was an attempt by the players. Um, to push more club autonomy, to help drive salaries higher, to help owners... Uh, it's my belief now that if single entity is a threat at all, it's not from the players. It's from their owners. It's from their own internal board of governors. Got a couple questions from Chuck on Twitter. Godfather. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, old crew logo versus new crew logo. Which do you like? Old crew, all the way. All right. <laughs> um, do you see yourself working with, or have you worked with, the NCFC youth? I have a little bit. Um, long-winded way of saying no. I don't see them myself working uh, with them in the future. However, I'd love to be more involved somehow. Cool. Um, any favorite spots in Raleigh? Yeah, a lot. Um, I've got two little boys, two and four-year-olds, so my world's wrapped around them. The Marbles Museum. I was going to say Marbles. The, <laughs> the, the, you know, the History Museum, Science Museum, North Carolina Art Museum. You know, that field's there today with the dogs and the boys. Um, the bouncy houses, the jump houses up in North Raleigh, I mean, you name it. Those are those are my places. I, unfortunately, I don't get the Whiskey Wednesdays anymore. <laughs> like, you're having more fun than us. Uh, I'd rather be at the bouncy house. What do you mean? Chuck E. Cheese. True. Um, and then outside of the U.S., do you have another club that you support? Not really. I'd say Everton from just spending some time training there and Tim Howard. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> All right, so we have a uh, few questions from Reddit for the first time ever. Um, yeah, this is new They were to kind us. of excited to have you on, so. Nice. Yeah, um, so this comes from Grade Pig, um, which I'm pretty sure this comes pretty tongue-in-cheek. Um, they ask, are you still kicking the ball out of bounds? Um, no, I don't <laughs> kick the ball at all. <laughs> but if I was, I probably would be. <laughs> uh, good testing bad on um, Reddit asked, um, what was the biggest temptation you've had on the field? Biggest temptation? Yeah. Wow. Biggest temptation has probably been to do what I did in Toronto, to go up to go up for a corner kick to try and score, um, <laughs> to take a penalty, to take a free kick. You know, I joked around with Alejandro Moreno, Danny O'Rourke all the time that if I was a forward, I would – I would score double-digit goals. If I played 30 games a year and I took the penalties, I would score 10 goals a year. And, in fact, I bet Danny Irvork, who had never scored a goal in his entire career, I think he played 200-some games, that I would score a goal before he would. Ooh. It's a strong win. (laughs) He still hasn't paid. (laughs) Uh, We got Tommy Tsunami, but the O is a zero, so... She's Creative names. Zero. zero. Yeah. Uh, from Reddit. Uh, I want to know uh, if Will thinks uh, the Cruisers uh, crew cheerleading dance team had a positive impact on players, and if he's bummed that, or and if he's bummed out that they're gone. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I never noticed them. You got you got to know them at events, and I think you know. If, if they're helping to energize uh, anyone, it's a good thing for us. Um, this comes from your Gavin is showing traditional or Roth IRA. Ooh, I don't know if I can answer that without more context. Um, you know, in an ideal world, Roth for the tax-free distributions. <laughs> uh, and then we hop back over to Justin on Twitter. Long time first gone. This guy's crazy. Um, he says, greetings from Mexico. Um, what's the best Mexican food in Raleigh? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, God, my spot, uh, I like Dos Taquitos. Um, I like um, the Centro right here. Yes. Um, 
but my go-to spot is Chubby's Tacos up on the Chubby's. Oh, good one. Good choice. It's nice to have a burrito the size of a baby every Great so spot. Yes. I mean, that... You great, just need it someday. <laughs> great draft beer. They've got that new bar set up. You yeah. can go get a Modelo on draft. You get a, I get three tacos for five bucks. I mean, it's a steal. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite city to play in, home or away? Uh, I really like playing in LA. Uh, good weather. It was always a good trip. We always stayed in nice hotels. Always had good experiences on the field. Um, what do you think of the new LAFC? Amazing. Amazing. Again, you know, these expansion teams keep coming into the league and putting the rest of the, the teams to shame. And that's how it needs to be. And I told you we were coming back to this one. <laughs> Is a hot dog a sandwich? Uh, I would say technically yes. Oh. But if I ever called it a sandwich... I'd be very disappointed. In that. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's a good answer. We've had we've had every answer so far this year. My favorite is still when we had um, Steve Malik on, and he said it's a hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> that was his that was his answer. It's a hot dog. Um, it's a pretty good one. Yeah. So we're all members of Oak City supporters. Um, we're in the South Stand at um, Salem Stadium at Wake Med Soccer Park. Trademark. And um, we have so much fun in the South Stand. I want to know what it was like for you 15, 16 times a year playing um, next to the Nordeca. Uh, it was awesome. I was there when the Nordeca, uh, the genesis of the Nordeca. So all of a sudden, you know, it goes from this mom and pop area to, oh, my goodness, here's this fan base. And this fan base and this fan uh, section just grew and grew and grew on itself and it became a huge issue for the league um at the time they had the smoke bombs they were throwing things on the field anytime there was a corner kick over there it was dangerous for another player um but it was awesome (laughs) and one of my favorite memories of 2008 is after we beat chicago in the eastern conference uh semifinals is you know one of the biggest games of my career awesome game tough tough opponent uh we go over there and we get the trophy and the nordeca starts chanting we're not done yet i was goosebumps i mean for the first time in my life i I mean i don't i'm not an emotional touchy-feely guy uh i had chill bumps from from that experience it was awesome and Um, you look around the league now uh so you just talked about lafc they got expos they're doing their thing um timbers army um the 3252 is kind of cool uh you got um um, Emerald City from Portland. Are they are they still called Dark Clouds in Minneapolis? Yes, they yeah. are. Dark Cloud. I mean, these are some really cool, energetic supporters groups that are popping up. Like you say, they're these expansion teams are coming in the league and they're putting the rest of this league to shame. What does the rest of these teams in the league have to do to get back up to that level to match these these expansion teams? They've got to they've got to provide that ownership feel. That this is my club. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to live it, breathe it all day. You can't just talk about it, go show up, throw some pep rallies, and then gouge them at the gate, in the parking lot, at the concession stand, You know, not listen to any of them in fan forums as to what you want to see more of, what style of play you want to. You have to give them some ownership and say, yeah, then you have to deliver. Um, and then... You have to treat them like family. That is your lifeblood. 
If you're an owner or operator, GM, et cetera, that is your lifeblood. You have to treat them like family. And I think the successful ones, that they really are families. Um, to some degree, you know, a young guy loses his wife or mom to cancer. His first go-to is a supporters group. Um, that's where you know I think you got something special. And you know, as so we're talking about supporters, I'm just thinking about this weekend because two of the largest supporters groups in the league are going to combine. It's going to be amazing. Like, um, Portland sold out of their tickets in four minutes. Yeah. And, of course, yeah. they weren't allocated many. I think that's. No, they, they got uh, yeah. 1,500 because Atlanta only does 5% of the total ticket. So they could have. But Timbers Army has 3,500 paying members. Mm hmm. Not even just in Portland, like all over, and they only got 1,500 tickets. If if your stadium can't drown out 3,500 people, you hold 70,000 people, and you can't give up 3,500 tickets to the away support that wants to come and spend money at your stadium. Why would you I mean, not? You've, you've got the capacity. Why not? Yeah. Um. Like you're selling me, you're selling me standing room only tickets right now. Like, and you can't give them 3,500 tickets. This is the first time I've ever, like, actively rooted for Portland to get the tickets that they deserve. <laughs> <laughs> and it hurts. Uh, but you mentioned price gouging. Um, USL. Um, Hartford is charging their supporters $300 just for supporters' seats. Well, before you even get to, like, supporters' groups' fees or anything like that. And they haven't even kicked the ball yet. Like, you mentioned price gouging. How does that knock a team down before they like you haven't even kicked the ball and you're charging me $300 before you even get to parking. How does that? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a believer that you start low with your ticket prices and, and build your way up, get the base, energize, get people's, get the butts in seats and take it from there. Uh, don't give them away. Don't, you know, don't mass youth, you know, give them all to the youth clubs for the tournaments. Uh, don't give them to the corporations. Sell them, but make them fair and reasonable. Make the experience affordable um, and take it from there. It's like, look at the hurricanes. Like, yeah. all of a sudden, they started lowering ticket prices. Hmm. What a coincidence. Oh, yeah, $40 lower seats, like lower <laughs> yeah. bowl seats. Like, of course I'm going to get that. Yeah. Like, one of, the, one of the big things that drove me to a game last year was when, like, shortly after Dundon came in and said, all right, uh, today it's uh, no upper bowl seats, it's horrible only. I'm like, oh, really? And said, like, oh, yeah, and it's also, uh, like, $25 sit anywhere. I'm like, oh, really? So I brought a ticket, and I sat behind the senator's bench. And it was amazing. It's like that's the kind of thing that you have to do to get people in. And um, also, you mentioned Hartford. I really hope that they do come around so we can have the Deadwell Derby, um, another <laughs> cup for us to win. I look forward to that. Um, but while we're talking about supporters and all that, my question for you: um, What was the toughest atmosphere that you had to play in? Hmm. I hated playing in Salt Lake. That's fair. Um, I just did not like anything to do with the travel to get there, the hotel, um, the stadium locker room. I just struggled in the stadium. Um, I always struggled with their fans. It's the only fan base. I mean, I hear I hear a lot of, as a goalkeeper, you hear a ton said to you. But the things that would come out of these guys' mouth, uh, oh, it's just 
in my opinion at the time was just wrong and then to see that from a grown man with his eight-year-old little boy sitting next to him and that it got to me it really did and i think that was the first time it ever got to me that it's like hey man you just shouldn't say that this is just a game this is an eight-year-old sitting here watching you do this um now you it sounds, you know, very, very old manish of me, but it, I mean, it, I mean, I was 20, 28 years old, and that was going through my mind. Well, didn't Tim Howard <clears throat> get into it with SKC fans? Was it SKC? Was it S- I think I can't. I, I think don't it think was it a, was. I can't. Remember. I know it was a like a. Well, I think it might have been New England because it was at somewhere that had an elevated stand. I so can't one of those, one of those yeah. teams, um, they were just shouting some offhand things at him and he finally snapped and the league actually punished Tim Howard for it and I was like wow like there was like they're, they're on camera saying some really bad things I'm like like that I understand why I would get to you like it got it gets to a couple players after a while Man, you, know, you know you're the one who's gonna get punished yeah. of course. you can't say anything but you know the the decency of you at the time is, you know, I for me, I wasn't even thinking about the game. It was just, hey, and I said something to the media, too, afterwards, hoping that it would make its way to the league. They, you know, it's, it's not in there. Yeah. Like, we had um, Desma here get carded for not taking a corner just because we were at the corner making noise. Um, that was interesting. Um, but I still like, I'm glad that we're talking about like fan player interaction because one of my favorites of all time, God bless Kara. Um, <laughs> she was yelling at Kosuke Kimura, right? Because we're playing, uh, we're playing Ryo OKC and Kosuke has on these small shorts. Like they're probably size small and then rolled. All right. And so she asked him, she asked him, Sarah, are you wearing kids shorts? And he turned and looks dead at her and says, yes. <laughs> I mean, Kara's yelled some really off-brand things she has. at referees. And they've turned around, like, so I stand on the cable stand and she'll be on the fence. And she'll yell some offhand things, like something about blowing and i'm like <laughs> and so then they like it's dead quiet in the stadium they can hear her so then they turn around and look at me and i'm like no not me today that's all her <laughs> like you can hear like sometimes you you block it out but you can hear some of these fans when they're saying some of these crazy things uh, you can hear a lot <laughs> I would say most of my interactions were laughing and like, hey, man, that's a good one. Like, hey, I've, I've never heard that one. That's a good one. Or, hey, try again. Right. That's old. As a, as a Fulham supporter, I got to yell at Kay Voser when we went to uh, Matthews this year. That was cathartic. <laughs> it was cathartic. Um, okay, so goals are scored. A lot of things happen. You got smoke. Um, sporting has confetti. Some people have streamers. Um, we have streamers and smoke. Sometimes we alternate between the two. Sometimes we run out because um, the women's team is really good. Yeah, they score a lot. One, two, or four. Yeah, there's no in between. Um, favorite goal celebrations. What do you always like to see? Uh, I like the smoke. Yeah. I think it's. I think it gets a bad rap, um, but I like the smoke. I like the atmosphere it creates. Um, especially if you get you get the right night, the right crowd. Um, I'd prefer the smoke. Sweet. Um, 
So there's probably not going to be any smoke this weekend just because it's indoors. Um, but MLS Cup, Atlanta, and their first, uh, not in their first year, their second year. Um, it's unbelievable they took the league by storm. We've seen expansion teams. You got Atlanta, you got uh, Vegas in the NHL just running rampant. Um, who you got? I'd say Atlanta. But Portland just continues to find a way. I oh, don't they really understand do. it. I don't get it. They ended the season poorly. They ended it so bad. And now they just ran through all of the playoffs to the final. How? I mean, Valeri. Yeah. yeah. He's a bad man. Yeah, yeah basically. Valeri is the engine of that team. And he's it hurts so to say, good. but he's so good. He's so, so good. good. He's such a good person, too, which is, you don't, I mean, you rarely see that. And, but, yeah, he's he's a special player. He's just, who do you have? I've got Atlanta. Joseph Martinez probably scores twice. Wow. I mean. Bold. You can't deny him. Bold. I mean, it's like when when we play Chicago, it's like, okay, Sam Kerr's going to score, yeah. <laughs> but we're going <laughs> to score more. But, I mean, Joseph Martinez. She scores three, we score four? Right. Um, Joseph, Ma- yeah, go ahead. Michael Parkhurst, I mean, he got injured at the end of the yeah. Red Bulls game. And talk about underrated player. He's been to He's a five uh, MLS Cups in his nine-year career. Hasn't won one yet. Um but how important he is to that Atlanta team, and if he's not 100%, um, I think it would be hard to take Atlanta, even at home, even in that environment. Yeah, they, how long? How many times have they lost at home? It's uh, not often. Like three or four. Yeah. Columbus, they lost to Sporting once. Mm-hmm. I think Red Bull. I think Red Bull once at home. It's not many, but... That's a that's a fortress. So I'm excited to see what they can do. What about you, K Block? Um, I've been a bad soccer fan, and I've been working way too much in certain areas. It's relatable. So I haven't been following it too much, but I'm gonna go with Atlanta because uh, even though I'm a transplant down here, I gotta stick with the South. That's yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's gonna be awesome. I'm going to miss the match. I know because I'm gonna be at work. Boo. I know, but I'm. <laughs> I'm never Atlanta. Of course. Like, we're always I'm, never Atlanta. But the thing is... is that, I'm also never Portland. So... <laughs> yeah, this this table, um, as far as as far as the, the panelists on this table, um, I can't speak for you, uh, but we are all firmly camp never Atlanta, but it's really hard to deny what they have done. Um, Terminus Legion, who thankfully are not Atlanta Ultras. Um, <laughs> shout out to Terminus for just building an amazing culture and just for the club um i mean it's part it's partly on the stadium as well but like affordable concessions um just massive fan engagement and it's just like it's not just that they're engaged together they've got the the community in there as well they're reaching out like they have the you know the whole golden spike thing you bring in somebody to hammer the golden spike it's like you get somebody that everybody can see and everybody can relate to and you can pull everybody together before a match they have two chains flying to in to north uh new york to watch their games and waka flocka is their spokesperson like 
Grove Street Party. Uh, good God. Migos <laughs> has been on the spike. Uh, everyone has been on, like, Jesus. It's, it's they, for, they've built something fun and creative down there. That Atlanta so United go is with, for I'm, the culture. Yeah, I'm going to go with <laughs> Atlanta for the, for the culture. Win. It's hard not to be a fan. I mean, yeah. I, I, if they're on, I'm watching them. I mean, I'm, I find myself in a lot of ways just a, a fanboy. I mean, I really am. I mean, I've got good friends there, but what they've built, their culture is amazing. I mean, it's, it's really great that they built into must-see TV. Although, at, at the same time, it kind of hurts just seeing this club come up so fast and boom, they're like already on, like on the map. And like here we are, and like the league is like fully behind them. So it kind of it kind of grates on you a little bit because they're always being pushed, but they're pushed for a reason. So I'm really excited to see how this league um, culminates. Question for you: Where do you see their coaching go? Like, their Tata's leaving. Where do they go next? I hope it's uh, uh, Shaloto, my ex-teammate in Columbus, mm-hmm. who's uh, head coach of Boca Juniors. Ooh, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. All right. Um, we're just about at the end of this episode. Um, coming up this weekend, though, it's not just MLS Cup. Friday. What? Smash Brothers. New Smash Brothers comes out. Wow. Yeah. I'm excited. Oh, is that why you finally got a Switch? It, that's exactly why <laughs> I have a Switch. It's not exactly so you why. Can take me on in Pokemon. Well, that's, that's going to happen eventually. <laughs> it's going to happen eventually. But um, Smash Bros. Who you got in characters? Oh God! Uh, I was always a Link main originally, mm-hmm. but I was hard into Lucas and Brawl. Gosh, I hate Lucas so and, much. And because I really like playing the ga- uh, Glass Cannon characters, so I'm all about that. Gosh, I don't know. It's it's you got to sit down with Smash Bros though and just like work at it for a really long time before you figure out exactly what you're gonna do. The big like family bonding thing that I have with my cousins is like every holiday we sit down and we play Smash Bros. <laughs> like my cousin is so good with Lucas and Ness, and it's so frustrating because he'll stand on one end of the stage and just will fire at you and say, "Okay, we gotta get close." And the next thing you know, you're getting hit by a baseball bat and you're flying off the stage. Um, like I was with you, I was always with Link, but my main is Yoshi. Like I'm always the pink Yoshi. Oh, you're one of them. I'm yes, <laughs> I am. I'm always the pink Yoshi, and it's great. You both nerded out for like two minutes, and I just I... <laughs> tune in next time for the Smash Bros podcast. Oh God, Smash Bros podcast. Six <laughs> BW the Smash Bros podcast. Um, you have any input? I know you said you didn't really play games. Did you get into Smash Brothers at all? I haven't touched a video game in probably eight years. What? You're not playing FIFA? I don't either. So. <laughs> I might have done some wee bowling one night drunk sometime, but that was that might have been the extent. It's those of whiskey it. Wednesdays, man. Yeah. <laughs> Wii Sports the goat though. Wii Sports the goat. Shout out to Wii Sports. Um. This has been a really fun podcast. This is actually so. This is the actual last one of the year. Um, as we come to the end, uh, I know we did thank yous before, but we're gonna do them again. Oh. Um, thank you to Chuck. Thank you to London Bridge Pub. Thank you to all of our guests that we've had this year. Thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers for um, for helping us to get these new XLRs. Got this great new sound because quality. Because of you guys, we're actually gonna be getting a new board at the beginning of the year. Hell yeah! So more guests on at one time it's gonna be a party thanks to steve mallet thanks to colin clark thanks to um paul riley thanks to um literally the entire ncfc fam the entire soccer and sweet tea fam um beautiful game network 
tasty beverage. Um, gosh, this has been a fun year. We did 34 episodes this year. I can't believe that. Yeah, we did a lot. Plus four bonus episodes. Plus four bonus episodes when we said that we were going to record once every other week and, and then, then we recorded we three weeks in a row. Yeah. Um, gosh. At the start of the year, we were sitting at Chuck's table um, talking about what what in the world is going to happen. At that time, we hadn't had we did not have a full dead wheel team. <laughs> at that time, we hadn't even taken the field officially as the dead wheels yet. That hadn't happened yet. Um, gosh, this has been a long year, and it's been so much fun. We won a cup. Yeah. We won we won four trophies this year. We did. Have you seen the Southern Derby trophy? Ah, oh, I should probably go get it. Oh, is it is it on the is it on the bar right now? It's not. It's in my car, but I can bring it. It's in, in your car. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting it clean. We have to take it to Dara's Dara and Arab Evans party Ooh. anyway. So yeah, this um this podcast fully endorses drinking out of cups. Yes. Um, we had the OCSPs, um, the Oak City supporters um celebration party at the end of the year. Um, and it was the first time that we all got to party together with the Southern Derby Cup because for some reason it didn't make it to Charlotte for uh, for presentation at the end of the year. Um, when we won the match and we rightfully won the cup, we wanted to take it back to Raleigh, but it wasn't there. So we had a party. Um, we cleaned the cup. Um, nice. We poured. Like, what did you all put in it? Um, there was like several different bottles of champagne. Uh-huh. And they drank out of it. Yeah, and then there was um then we took it to the um Kane's game. And oh, then we put yeah. and then we put the champagne of beers the in. Champagne it. of beers. <laughs> um so fun times. Yeah. Um it's always a good time. The champagne of beers. The champagne of beers. <laughs> so it's been a really great year. Thank you to to you for listening to this podcast. Everybody who listened all year long, um we're really I'm just really grateful that we've been able to build a really great podcast. I get to do the outro this time. Yes, go for it. Uh, as always, for the last time, we're brought to you by Tasty Beverage Company right here in downtown Raleigh. Uh, that's tastybeverageco.com. They have their advent calendars on sale now, and they're pretty cool. <laughs> it's the conflux of my two favorite things, advent and, and beer. beer. It's the best. <laughs> um, we're also part of the Beautiful Game Network, bgn.fm, on Facebook and Twitter. Um, we're also friends of the pod on Soccer and Sweet Tea. Hashtag SNST fam. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Six Point Weekend. We're always open to questions. On Twitter and Facebook only. I will not answer them on Instagram. I'm so sorry. Um, and we want to thank all of our Patreon subscribers. Um, you, we do what we do for you guys and for all of our listeners. Thank you so much. Uh, please leave us a review on iTunes and Google Podcasts if you like what you hear. Um, I think that's it. I think so. Oh, you have to do your hot dog thing. I refuse oh, yeah. to do that line. <laughs> I guess this is probably the last time that we're going to do this until the next season. Yeah, then Justin has to come up with something different. That's fair. Um, but for the last time, this is Six Point Weekend, brought to you by Hot Dogs, the official sandwich of Six Point Weekend. I'm still not saying it. <laughs> well, thank you so yeah, much for having for coming on with us. Gosh, it's been great. Yes. Um, but yeah, until next year. Um, happy holidays, happy new year. Um, may it bring everything that you want. Um, make sure you get fried chicken, hop, hop and John, collard greens. It's important to your life. Yes. And to your welfare. Black eyed peas. Black eyed peas. Yeah, that's hop and John. Rice and rice and peas. Uh, rice and black eyed peas. Whatever. Yeah. I didn't hear it, so I was like, I thought he said Papa John's. I was like, why do we need pizza? We don't. Sorry. Yeah. Um, stay warm. 
enjoy the holiday. Um, and we'll see you next year. I'm Jonathan. That's Ebony. Hi. That's Kyle. Farewell. Will <laughs> oh Heismer joining us. Thank you, guys. See you next year. See you. Peace, y'all. Thank you.